Uh, this morning, what's on my heart is building blocks of faith. I want to preach on prayer today from the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse number 20. We're talking about the building blocks of faith. Somebody pointed out to me, said, Preacher Darren, every point you've had, every message, this is the fifth one today. So far, you preach four messages. They all start with the letter A. Building blocks are A, B, C. I mean, when are you going to get to B? Well, we'll start those other 25 other letters, amen, sometime later. But right now, we're hung up on A, amen. The building blocks of faith, we're preaching on prayer. Prayer being the assistance of your faith, amen. You stand to your feet, please, this morning. The book of Jude, chapter number 1, verse number 20. The Bible says, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy and of our Lord, or excuse me, mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. What tremendous verses. Jude chapter 1. We started thinking about building blocks. This building uh, has got a foundation. The foundation is salvation. The foundation is Jesus Christ. The, the Jesus is the assurance of our faith. We're saved by no other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And then after we get the foundation, you get a good foundation, you start laying up block work, we have believers' baptism. That is advertising or the announcement of your faith, if you will. And then you have uh, the opportunity to get in the Word of God. Amen. Starting reading the Bible, not just one time, but every day, daily Scripture reading. That is the authority of our faith. Amen. And then we start talking about, then you need to start coming to church. That's the attendance of our faith. And then we need to develop a daily prayer life. How many of you pray every day? Don't raise your hand. But how many of you pray every day? Preacher, I pray every day. Well, preacher, I pray every time I'm at church. Well, that's good. But you need to learn to have a daily prayer life. It is invaluable, invaluable to the Christian walk. Did you know that the Word of God and your prayer life are like wings on a bird? If you take either one of them away, amen, you're going to have spiritual trouble. But if you'll use them both, you can sort of spiritual heights. Amen. Father, will you help us to preach the Word of God in the demonstration and the power of the Holy Spirit. And for this I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I'm turning now to the book of Luke chapter 18. There's a, a word that the Lord spoke. Luke chapter 18. I want to look just at the first verse this morning. Luke chapter 18, verse number 1. The scripture says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. That's an incredible verse. Now, he goes on to give the parable. We'll maybe look at that tonight. But I want us to think the Lord is mentioning that men ought always to pray. You have an obligation. There is a responsibility that's laid upon you and I as Christians to pray and seek the face of the Lord. I thought about what would be a good 
illustration. Number one, the illustration of a daily prayer life. I thought about Jesus. Jesus prayed every day. Oftentimes, he would go to a solitary place, maybe up on top of the mountain or over by a seashore and out in the wilderness or a desert place. And he would pray there alone, he and God the Father. He got time to be alone. You may say, well, preacher Darren, Jesus is a great example of prayer. Oh, yes, he is. But there's another one in the scripture in the book of Daniel chapter 6. I hope they can put this verse up on the screens so you can see Daniel chapter 6, verse number 10, at this illustration of prayer. I just want to mention a couple of things. There's a man by the name of Daniel. They have made a decree that anybody that prays in the kingdom is going to be arrested. If you pray in anyone else's name other than their king. Well, Daniel didn't pray in the name of some earthly king. Daniel prayed and sought God's face. And Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 10 is an illustration of prayer that men ought always to pray. Look in verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, Let me stop. This is the law of the land. This is the decree of the king. Anyone that's caught praying will be thrown into the lion's den. And you know what's probably going to happen then. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber Toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. He is an illustration of prayer. Notice with me a few things about this. There is the priority of prayer. Obviously, for Daniel... To break an earthly king's law, there must be the word of someone greater that supersedes that. The law of God commands us to pray and seek God's face and God alone. Prayer is a priority in Daniel's life. Though there's a law that says he cannot pray, look with me at the end of the verse. He's praying three times a day upon his knee as he did aforetime. In other words, he's been praying daily. This is not an occasional matter in his life. It is a daily habit. He is not just praying in the hour of need. Some people, man, when the war hit, or when 9-11 happened, or when COVID came, people started praying. But honey, He's not just praying because the law of the land has changed in the hour of need. He's a daily practicer of prayer. Anyhow and anyway. Prayer is a priority in Jesus' life. Prayer is a priority in Daniel's life. Prayer should be a priority in your life and in mine. God only had one son who lived without sin. But he has no sons who live without prayer. What is his, not only his priority of prayer, what is his place of prayer? The Bible says that Daniel went into his house 
and he knelt before a window that faced towards Jerusalem. He's not in Jerusalem. He's in captivity. He's been in the region of Babylon and now he's got a change of things, a change of circumstances has happened in his life and now this law that says if you pray you're going to be thrown into the lion's den. He prayed in his house with the windows open as he did aforetime. So he's praying in his house just like he always did. Did you know you can pray anywhere? You can pray in the altar. You can pray in the pew. You can pray in the pulpit. You can pray up on the mountain. You can pray in the valley. Hey, Jonah prayed from the belly of a whale. Preacher Darren, it wasn't a whale. Read the Old Testament. Yeah, but read the New. Jesus said it was. Amen. Jonah prayed from the belly of a whale. Amen. Peter prayed from the top of the roof. Hezekiah prayed from his bed. Paul prayed out of a jail cell. Jesus prayed on a mountaintop. Honey, you can pray anywhere. But if one thing that's going to help you is it would be better if you found a consistent place to pray. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6. When thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which seeth in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Amen. You may say, Preacher Darren, I, I can't even get in my closet. In my house, if my wife goes to cleaning the house. The first, it's messed up, I'm telling you. The first place she starts is she cleans out the closet before she cleans the house. I'm the opposite. I clean the house by throwing it in the closet. <laughs> Amen. Some of us can't get in our closet. Maybe it's too small. Maybe there's too much stuff in there. Maybe you need to straighten up and get back in the closet. Amen. And I just want to say this about the closet. The closet for the Jews was a private room where guests would stay. The idea is to get away from everyone and get away from everything and get alone with God. Sometimes you get praying around other people and you get bewildered by so many needs and so many names and so many other people praying and you can't pray yourself. You ever do that? So get alone with God, amen. Daniel got alone with God, amen, in a private place to pray, amen. Jesus often went to a solitary place. What is your period of prayer? Daniel prayed three times a day, not just in need, not just three times because there's a change in the law and because he's in the, the hour of need, but he's doing what he's done a four time. Every day he prayed three times a day. I think that suggests morning, noon, and evening maybe, but he prayed at least three times a day. Hey, thank God for it. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. Preacher Darren, that's an impossible task. You, you, that, that imperative, pray without ceasing. There's no way. Preacher Darren, I, sometimes I have to go to work. Sometimes I have to have my, my, my mind on building a, a frame or, or building a building or, or drawing someone's blood. i got to have my mind. Preacher Darren, sometimes I need to go to sleep. What it means is be in a continual place where you can pray. I never know as a pastor... When my phone's going to ring at 3 o'clock in the morning and I don't have time to get myself conditioned to pray, I need to be active duty immediately to pray. Amen. You need to be in a position 
Always to pray and seek the face of God. Always have a constant attitude of prayer. Oftentimes we don't. My body doesn't always feel like praying. This morning my body doesn't feel like preaching. I'm just here to do it and let the Holy Ghost have His way and to help me have the power and the ability and the strength to preach His Word. Look with me at the posture of prayer. And we've mentioned the priority, the place, the period of prayer, the posture of prayer. Daniel kneeled upon his knees. This was his customary posture in prayer, as he did aforetime. He usually got on his knees. I like to get on my knees when we pray. I do because it humbles me. I need to humble myself in the sight of God. That's a good posture for me to pray. But it doesn't, will y'all hear me for a second? It doesn't mean that you always have to get on your knees to pray. You can pray standing up. You can pray with your eyes open, driving down the road. You can go to God. You can pray in the pew. You can pray anytime, any place, anywhere. For somebody to say, it's where it's got to be. Wrong. The Lord will hear your prayers if you'll humble yourself in the face of Almighty God. Amen. Now, we're going to go back to our text. Back to our text. We've talked about the illustration of prayer. Now, I read out of Luke 18. I want to say number two, and I probably won't even get done with this point. Number two, I want us to think about the importance of prayer. I believe that Christians fail more in their prayer life than any other area. And I believe that we don't have a failure in other areas of our life that doesn't relate to the failure in our prayer life. Jesus gave this parable to this end that men ought always to pray. He says in Philippians 4, 6, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God that passeth understanding shall keep your mind. Listen, Shelby, when she was just a baby, she had just a child, I should say. She had a terrible fever. Two, three days to the doctor, to the hospital, back to the house. It wouldn't go away. It was scary. We were afraid of convulsions setting in. Miss Gina sat with that baby, held that baby, laid with that baby, we were on pins and needles over that child. The child couldn't tell us what she felt. The child couldn't tell us what she was going through. We just kept checking her with that thermometer. We just kept checking her. And I'm telling you, it's 104 and, and approaching 105, and it was scary. And for three days, Gina hardly slept. She was awake almost the whole time checking that baby. And then finally the fever broke. Now, y'all listen to me. Finally, the fever broke. And Gina's now in some decompressed time. She's got Miss Shelby, the baby, is asleep. And Miss Gina lays down beside her and goes to sleep. A siren comes through our neighborhood. I thought, oh, that's going to wake them up. She slept right through it. A dog started barking in the house. I thought, oh, no, 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 no. She slept right through it. 
children playing outside. Threw a ball, hit the side of the house. She slept right through it. The TV, when I cut it on, was way too loud. She slept right through it. But then Shelby went, just the slightest move, the slightest whimper, and she was awake. She was in a constant attitude of being sensitive to the needs of that child. Let everything around her else go on. Didn't matter. But I'm always in the attitude to take care of my baby. That is the way my prayer life should be. All this other stuff should not bother or hinder my walk and my prayer life, communing with my God, amen, because prayer should be important. And again, last night and night, I could not tell you if I turned, if I wake up, thinking I'm preaching in the morning. God, help me to preach in the morning. God, give me the right illustrations. God, give me the right words. God, give me the power. God, help me to get their attention to let them know just how important prayer is. And he knows that we're failing in prayer, amen. Dr. George W. Truitt, he used to pastor Dallas First Baptist. And Dr. Truitt had to have surgery, and they put him to sleep. And when he woke up, you know, sometimes when we first wake up, or, or during, the, uh, during the procedure, we're liable to wake up, and we're liable to say some pretty crazy things. I've seen some videos that some of y'all have shared of your young people who had wisdom teeth surgery. They said some pretty weird things, amen? And I'll just leave it at that, and I've laughed and laughed. Dr. Truitt woke up and said to the nurse, said, were you with me when I went to surgery? I thought you were with me when I went. She said, I was. He said, ma'am, did I say anything or do anything that would dishonor my Lord? She said, no, preacher, you didn't. He said, did I say anything goofy? She said, well, you did wake up. And you were praying. At one time, I think you were quoting scripture. We thought you was preaching, so we thought we better put you back under. I'm just, I, I, I'm just saying, amen, that we ought to be in an attitude of prayer seeking God's face. A preacher, Darren, what is the importance of prayer? Write this down. Prayer, prayer can provide your every need. Will you hear me for a second? Prayer can do anything God can do. All things are possible with God. And when you're praying in the will of God, all things are possible to you and to me. May I say this morning, I hope this doesn't hurt your feelings, God wants to bless you. Prayer it's not overcoming God's reluctance. Oh no. Prayer is laying a hold of God's willingness to work in your life. James wrote to us, You have not because you ask not. That tells me that I punish myself by failing to pray. How many blessings God has for me that I don't have this morning. Because I've not prayed for them. You're fighting, you're warring, you're scheming, and you're lusting. They are not God's ways for you to get what you need. My God 
shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Amen. I know some, listen, I know some Christians. Somebody said of this. Preacher Dan, I know some Christians whose needs are not being met. What do you have to say about that? They have not because they ask not. Have you ever experienced that? Prayer can provide you all you need. Write this down. Prayer has the power to fill your heart with joy. I believe through prayer that God can supply your every need. Prayer will supply your every need. Listen to this. There is nothing that lies outside the reach of prayer except what lies outside the will of God for my life. Prayer is the way for Christians to have joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. We live in a society now ever since COVID that we have the shortest tempers, the shortest fuses to a powder keg called anger. I have never seen people's temperaments be so short. And Christians who are living a joyless existence upon this earth. The book of John chapter 16, I think God has a word for us that must be examined today. John 16, verse 24, speaking about prayer. Jesus' words, John 16, 24. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. You wonder why so many of us are running around sad? Defeated, discouraged. I'm going to tell you why. Because we're failing to pray and ask God to fill us with the joy of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't want His people running around sad. God doesn't want His people running around defeated. God wants His people to be filled with joy. Not just joy when you're at church, but joy wherever you go. God wants you and I to have joy. Now, will you hear me? Preacher, does that mean I have to be happy all the time? <laughs> that kills some of y'all to be happy. Just, I can just tell. It just kills your whole presence that you have to be happy. I don't, sometimes, sometimes I hear the choir director say, smile, and you're all like, no, I don't want to smile because you don't want to be happy. Now, here's the thing. Happiness depends on what happens. That's why we call it happiness. Your hap is good, you're happy. Your hap is bad, you're crushed. Who can you hear me today? Whether your hap is good or your hap is bad, Jesus is still on the throne. No matter what the gas prices are, no matter who the president is, no matter if you've got a layoff slip or you've got a raise, Jesus is on the throne. And because Jesus reigns, we have hope and our joy should be full. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, joy comes through answered prayers. 
You show me a Christian who's not filled with joy, I'm going to show you a Christian whose prayer life is lacking. Write this down. Prayer is the third one. It's important. Prayer is important. Prayer will provide what you need. Prayer has the power to fill my heart with joy. And prayer is God's prescription for worry. Now, I've looked over the congregation. Some of you are worry warts. You are filled with worry and anxiety. I'm looking at a group of bona fide, genuine, A number one worry warts. It's funny, right now, just looking over the congregation, I've seen some young people look at their mama. <laughs> well, I can't laugh because I do it too. I worry. And this is what God's shown me. Worry is an insult to God. It is saying, God, I don't believe you're able to take care of the situation. No, preacher, I'm not saying that I don't believe he's able. Then what you're saying is, God, I don't believe you will take care of the situation. Well, preacher, Darren, that is the question. I believe he can, I believe he's able, but I don't know that he will. Mm. I don't mean a Christian won't have troubles in this life. Certainly you're going to have troubles, you're going to have hardships, you're going to have disappointments. But my Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. If this coat this morning, as it's burning me up while I preach, it's a load, it's a weight that's on me. I mean, I'm sweating up here. I'm perspiring, working hard. Jesus, cast your burdens. Watch I'm much cooler now. My load is lifted. I'm beginning. Listen. Hallelujah. The load has been lifted. All I did was cast my care, my burden, my worry. I've cast it upon the Lord. Honey, he's able to carry it. He's able to. He's already borne it up Calvary's hill. Amen. Some of you in prayer need to do some casting. The song says, cast your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. You put your money in the bank. Let's say, Brother Tim, let's say that you are given $100,000 cash. Brother Tim says, I better put this somewhere safe, somewhere Michelle can't get hold of it. <laughs> somewhere that Corey and Carissa can't grab it. I don't want no one to get it. I better put it somewhere safe. And he starts looking around the house. And he knows nothing's going to be off limits to Michelle. What am I going to do? So I, he said, then Birdie's going to come up. What am I going to do? So he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my money and I'm going to put it in the bank. So he goes down to the teller and he writes out a deposit slip and he hands her $100,000 cash. She takes that money, gives him a receipt, then takes the money and puts it in the vault and slams the vault shut. Does Tim take the receipt, go back outside that bank, get a Smith & Wesson, sit down in front of the bank and protect his investment and protect what he's put in the bank? Anyway, preacher, what's Tim doing? Oh, he's just protecting his money. Listen, if he wanted to protect his money, he'd have left it at the house. He'd have defended it there. But see, what he's doing is he was trusting. He was casting his burden upon the bank 
to take care of his deposit. I can take my prayer life and my requests and my desires, my wants and my needs, and I can cast them to the Lord in prayer. Then I don't have to protect them. I don't have to worry about them anymore because they're took care of. Y'all get that? That's just the importance of prayer. The problem is sometimes we don't want to commit these things to the Lord. You, you, you say, well, preacher, I don't want to commit my problems to the Lord. Let me tell you something. It would be better for you to commit your problems to the Lord than for you to try to protect them and worry with them and try to take care of them. Just rely upon him. <laughs> How's the old song go? All because we do not carry everything to the Lord in prayer. That's why we're struggling. Thirdly, and I'll be done. Thirdly, I'll try to get this. Thirdly, in Romans chapter 8, I want you to decide to implement daily prayer in your life because it's important. You need to decide to pray daily. You need to determine to pray daily. You need to determine. Preacher, Preacher Darren, today I'm not going any further in my day before I spend time with God. I'm deciding, I'm determined to spend time with God. In the book of Romans chapter 8, here's a verse that has helped me more. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. You have that trouble? I ought to pray, but I don't know to pray. What to pray? I don't know someone elderly, sick. Should I pray that God heals them or takes them home? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. He knows. We know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I asked our prayer room this morning. I got many answers. It was a blessing. Can y'all tell me what infirmity means to you? Infirmities, plural. The Bible says, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. Where you and I, when we're praying, we don't know what to pray for as we should. Where we're weak in mind or weak in body, whatever we're going through, the Spirit helps our infirmities. Preacher, what, what could these infirmities be? What about, write this down. What about indifference? What does that mean, preacher Darren? Sometimes I believe the reason we don't pray is a lack of, um, a lack of a spiritual interest because we have apathy. We've not been stirred up to pray. The old flesh, your flesh. Preacher, are y'all saved? But your flesh, like me, is not saved yet. It wars against my soul and my spirit craving to pray. The Holy Spirit drawing me to pray. But my body says, no, I don't want to go down there. I don't want to spend time in prayer. I want to drink Coca-Cola and Pepsi-Cola and eat pizza. That's, I want to watch movies. I want to go hang out with my friends. I want to go to the birthday I don't want to pray. No, I don't want to pray. Preacher Darren, you just described me. 
My flesh, I've been preaching 30 years. I'm going to tell you something. My flesh, there are times it absolutely hates preaching and it hates praying. It wears me down. It, it, my body's getting old. I don't want to play basketball like I used to. Man, used to get me around the ball. I'm going to play ball. But my body nowadays says, I don't want to play basketball. It just makes me tired. It gets me out of breath. I sweat like a freakazoid. I, I can't do this. Now when I preach, my body says, no, 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 no. Sometimes I say, why do I preach so hard? Why do I get so excited? I get letters in the email. Why do you preach so hard? I don't like you screaming. I will listen to you more. You make sense, but your screaming bothers me. I can't help who I am, ma'am. That's who God called me to be. My flesh doesn't like it either, amen. But the Spirit whirls up in me and tells me to get after it and preach the Word of God. You understand that the old carnal nature is at warfare with God. And you may sit here today and try to cover it up. Do the comb over if you want to and try to cover it up. But the truth of the matter is your flesh don't want to pray. That's why you don't pray more, amen. The reason is because I'm not praying in the Spirit. He will help my infirmity of indifference. What about ignorance? There are times I don't know what to pray for as I ought to. I don't know what to say. But the Holy Spirit will direct your prayer and show you what it is you should pray for. He helps your inability. These are still with our eye. He helps your inability. You remember Jesus said to his disciples, Sit ye here and pray. Well, I shall go yonder and, and pray and seek, seek the face of my Father. And when he came back, what were they doing? They're asleep. Just like what you do when you pray. Sometimes you're requesting and you go to sleep. Or you're requesting prayer and your mind starts wondering. And the next thing you know, you're what's going to happen what's going two weeks away and you've drifted away from the time of prayer. Am I the only one that does that? The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is Weak. You're in Romans 8. Look at this. I'm going to be done. Romans 8 verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Oh, preacher Darren, you're talking about the resurrection out yonder somewhere when they bury this body. Hey, let me tell you something right now. Your old flesh has got a sin nature and it's dead. It loves dead stuff. But when you, in the Spirit of God, start seeking God's face, the Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead will come to you and raise you up from the dead and get you past your doldrums and give you the desire to pray and seek God's face. Amen? Amen? Amen. It's praying in the Spirit. What about interference? You ever had the devil attack your mind? Oh, man. Satan, let me tell you what he'll do. Satan will try to stop you from coming to church. But once, he, once you get here, he says, okay, you're here. Now my goal is to stop you from praying. I don't want you to worship Christ, hear the preacher go to sleep. I don't want you to be stirred up to pray. 
because he has leveled the artillery of hell against your marriage, against your children, and against your home. And if that doesn't stir you up to put on the whole armor of Christ and get the sword of the Spirit and get out and start praying and seeking God's face, honey, what kind of man, what kind of mother, what kind of daddy are you? It ought to stir you up. Satan's got indifference and he's got ignorance and he's got inability and he's got interference. And there are times, listen to this, we don't know what to pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit makes intercession. This means inexpressibility. There are times when my brother died, I did not know what to say. I mean, I had my own loss, but I was somehow more concerned for my daddy and my mama. I can't imagine what they lost. And I didn't know what to say. The devil saying there is no God. The devil saying that's what your, your prayer life gets you. You've got a brother now that's dead. You've got a wife that's got multiple sclerosis. You are wasting your time. Don't even get up there and preach in my name. And I'm going to tell you what. I believe Jesus is the Son of God who died on Calvary's hill, who was buried and rose again on the first day of the week. I believe he's alive and well. I believe he hears me when I pray in Jesus' name. And when I don't know what to say, when I can't even speak, sometimes all I just say is, <laughs> the Holy Ghost takes that and says, God Here's this young man. He doesn't have any words, but here's what he needs. Here's what he means. And he translates that. And God pours me out blessings and helps me with peace and gives me comfort and gives me mercy and gives me grace in the time of my need when I don't know how to express myself. I got to close. Not done, but I'm close. There is a revival. And in revival, nothing was happening. All week long, on Thursday night, they called on an old farmer to pray. He stood up. He bowed his head. He paused for a minute. He stepped out in the aisle. He started to weep. He made his way to the altar. He bowed on his knees. This is what he said. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh God <laughs> Oh God And man it swept through that congregation And revival broke out Sinners got saved Backsliders were reclaimed Marriages were healed The church was triumphant When an old farmer cried out two words with tears Oh God <laughs> It's not about how many words you speak It's not about whether you're on your knees or not it's about the attitude of your heart. The posture of prayer, the attitude of your You stand to your feet. Man, how we need to pray. It's so important. And we need to implement it in our daily lives so terribly bad. Maybe there might be somebody. You've been encouraged today to pray. I want to cast it to the Lord, preacher. I need God to supply. Preacher, I need the peace of God. Oh, preacher, I need to pray more. I'm going to the altar to pray. Maybe you can pray where you are. That's good, too. Maybe you're home right now. You need to pray about that grandchild that's wayward. 
You need to pray about that unborn baby. You, you need to pray about that health issue. You need to pray about those finances. You need to pray as you travel up and down life's highways and byways. Father, I bow as a pastor. Help the church, Lord. Make her, cause her to be triumphant in prayer. I come to you as a husband. Bless our home and marriage. My dear wife, God, I pray. Help her, heal her, honor her, God. Give her strength, Lord. Give her grace and mercy. As a daddy, I pray. Oh, God, bless Shelby, Brian, Luke, and Carrie. God, take care of them. Help them, God. As a grandpa, I pray. <laughs> Touch little Isla, God. Put people in her life that care for her. Raise her in the home of joy. In the fear of the Lord, save her one day, God, I pray. And Lord, as I bow here before you today, as an individual, God, I ask you'd forgive us for failing to pray as we ought. God, every failure in my life can be traced to a failure in prayer. God, touch our church. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters as a brother in Christ, I pray for my brothers and sisters that God would strengthen them, provide for them, supply them with peace, give them victory over worry and anxiety. God, I pray you'd help them to implement the essential of prayer in their life. Touch us, Lord, I pray. Grow our church and our walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.